Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight we're going to be talking about miracles, okay? A study of the miraculous. Are you ready for the word? Tonight, a study of the miraculous. We're in part two. We're doing this uh, on Sunday evenings, and it's going to take us a few weeks uh, to get through this study of the miraculous. And today's message is entitled, Little is Much in the Hand of the Lord. You know, the little bit that we have to offer to God, the little bit that perhaps you know, we imagine as not enough, whether it is not enough time or it is not enough talent, maybe we don't have, uh, you know, enough uh, opportunity whatever it is that we think we don't have enough of you know uh, money always comes into our imagination but you know that is the least of God's worries okay it works with money but but he's not just looking at trying to uh, you know fashion every message at money you know you may only feel as though that you have a little uh, a little time let's say for example uh, or a little faith you know, little is much in the hand of the Lord. And we will see that tonight. We're going to be in Second Kings again. We're continuing in Second Kings chapter 4. And last week in part 1 of the series, we, we discovered or we reviewed the fact that God demands that we participate in our miracles. You know, God requires us to do something. He requires us to offer Him something. Give Him something to work with. You have to give God something, even if it's a little bit of your time, a little bit of your attention. If you give God something to work with, then, then it, it seems as though he has a pretty good history of making a miracle out of something we give him, uh, an opportunity. Uh, so when we go to God with a need, let me tell you, if you ever go to God with a need, you need to be ready to do something. You know? And this is a godly trait that many of us pick up. I know that's the way Royce is. If you show up at Royce's office and you have a need, guess what? You better be ready to do something. Because <laughs> he can help you meet that need most likely, but it's going to require you to do something. It's going to require you to invest, to put something into it. That's a godly trait that he has developed over the years. He's embraced it as a reality. And if God expects us to do something uh, to work with him to meet our need, of, of course, that's reasonable. The Bible plainly explains it uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, that if you do not work, you should not expect to eat. You know, if, 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 if people who can are unwilling to put effort into their life, then they should expect to go hungry. They should expect their bills to go unpaid. We should expect uh, that, that, that life is not going to yield its fruit to us if we do not put some effort into it. This is just reasonable. So it's not unreasonable for God to expect us to work with Him. Uh, the widow of 2 Kings 4 that we will be studying in this series is a prime example of that. 
She had a legitimate need, bona fide need, and she had done everything so far that we understand, everything that she could. You know, she didn't just run to Elisha the prophet, you know, uh, just as soon as she could, but, but she worked hard. And, and uh, uh, the miracle that she wanted, however, was going to demand that she work with God. It was going to demand some faith, and it was going to demand some work. Faith, what kind of faith? We'll talk about that in a minute. But it was going to require the kind of faith that keeps us on the path. For a miracle it was only a miracle that could help her but she was only going to get the miracle if she did what God wanted her to do that's not different than our lives today you know it's it's not different than than any other law of of, of, of even the laws of nature or the laws of man if we expect to get something, we normally are expected to put something into it. Normally are expected, even when we're tired. You see, we must give God something to work with. That is a, a requirement. If we expect, especially if we're expecting a miracle, if we're expecting you know, uh, something to happen that only God can make happen, when we bring it to Him, we better be ready to do something. We better be ready to, to walk with him and work with him. We, 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 we need to expect that uh, uh, he's going to need something to work with. Um, uh, we were uh, in September of this past year, uh, just you know, uh, about three weeks before the October 7th attack, this horrendous attack uh, of Hamas, on the those peaceful communities and citizens and in southern israel it was such a horrible uh such a horrible horrible unimaginable uh, uh terrorist attack uh un, un, unwarranted un, un, unnecessary and look what it's causing look at the ripple of it just it's it's horrible but just about three weeks before that uh attack we were in uh, israel with a group of people and we were uh, in, enjoying um, a, you know, a tour, as it were. And one of the places that we toured in the Holy Land while we were in the city of Jerusalem is that we went to the Temple Mount and to the city of David. Now, the Temple Mount and the city of David sit right beside one another. Uh, you know, uh, and and on, on those Temple Mount and the city of David, while we were uh, there, we opened up the Bible as we did in every place, and we talked about some of the stories that happened in the place that we were standing. And one of the stories that we talked about one of the accounts we talked about while we were in Jerusalem was the account of this blind man you may remember you know Jesus only did three miracles in Jerusalem you know only three he did a lot of miracles in the Galilee a lot of miracles in in many places but only three miracles in Jerusalem and one of the miracles was that he spit on the ground he made some mud uh, you know uh, and and he put it on this blind man's eyes uh, and <laughs> you know we talked about that you know there uh, there we were in this area where Jesus would have done that the Bible says that Jesus was on the temple mount he was there and and as he was making his way uh, 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 just there on the temple mount his disciples said see this blind man 
this man was evidently a, a little older. We don't know how old he was, but we're going to imagine that he is at least over 30 years old. And, uh, and they said, uh, you know, why, why is he blind? Well, Jesus answered the question. You can read that. We don't want to go into the, into the semantics of that. But at the end, Jesus made some mud and put it on his eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, and so here, um, you imagine when you're reading this, because it says, so the man went and washed in the pool of Siloam, and he received his sight, and he came uh, back to the Temple Mount, and he found Jesus, and, you know, there was this big deal, and everybody was, you know, having a problem with it. And, and, you know, there was a great inquisition as to, was he really blind? They asked his parents. His parents said, he's of age, ask him. And, you know, and he said, well, I don't, you know, all, all I know is, you know, I, hey, I was blind, now I see. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to get caught up in all of the political, religious, you know, arguments and all that. But uh, while we were there, you know, it, it became reasonable uh, for me to say to the group, come on, come with, come, come with me. So we walked from the Temple Mount, the city of David, and we walked down a pathway that today is, uh, is a sidewalk. But it leads a winding way. Even though it's a sidewalk, it wasn't an easy walk. And it led and it led, and then it started down. And it was very steep, so steep that, you know, you literally had to hang on to stuff or not slide down. And people were, you know, I mean, it's, it's a winding, dangerous path. And we probably walked our group. It took us probably, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, 17 minutes, you know, or so. The better part of 20 minutes for us to even get down to where uh, uh, we, uh, I wanted to show them. And, uh, and, and when we got down there, you know, I mean, come on, reasonably, a, you know, a 15, 20-minute walk. If you're by yourself and you're a good walker and you still have to be careful and what did we go down to see we got down to the pool of Siloam and then we opened up the Bible of John 9 and we read it again and we talked about the fact that Jesus did not heal the man on the Temple Mount he put mud in his eyes The guy's already blind. Now he's got wet sand in his eyes. But he's not healed. He's only given an opportunity to be healed. He's only given instructions as to where he could find his miracle. And then he is left alone. Jesus didn't escort him down there. Jesus didn't say, hey, you three disciples, help him get down to the pool of Siloam. Jesus walked off. The man was left there, standing there with instructions from Jesus, blind as a bat, with mud in his eyes, having to make his own way down this steep, treacherous path, winding, dangerous for him, dangerous for many people. Down, down, down. Do you know, I can imagine him thinking, I'm going to find me the first water and <laughs> get, this, get this off my face. I mean, how many of us would be tempted to do that? 
How many of us would be tempted to say, well, you know, get this, get this mud off me at my first opportunity? Because there was water on the Temple Mount. You know, there was water along the way. I mean, they, 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 had, a, they, they had a place where you could wash your hands and your feet. And no doubt he had been there many times, you know, before you entered into the Temple. And, and uh, you know, I mean, it was available. Why not? What difference does it make? This man did not know he was healed. Let's don't over-spiritualize him. All he knew is he had heard something that hit him in a, in, a, in a different place. All of a sudden it said yes and amen in his heart of hearts. Like the woman who was, who, uh, uh, was told by the prophet Elijah in, in 1 Kings 17 to make me a cake first. Something on the inside of her must have said amen. Because she went and made him her last meal and gave it to him. She didn't know. She could have said, well, I tell you what, let me alter that a little bit. Let's do this. Let me make me and my son a cake first, and then he left over, I'll give it to God. But that wouldn't have worked. She would have died. How about, how about Naaman the leper? You know, we are in 2 Kings 4. The next chapter, 2 Kings 5, has a story about a leper named Naaman. If you've never read it, read it. How he came, you know, uh, sent by his king of of, of Assyria to the king of Israel to say, heal him of his leprosy. And the prophet Elisha, uh, he went, you know, he said, I'll take care of it, king. So Naaman goes down and Elisha just sends his servant out and says, tell him to go dip in the river Jordan seven times. It was a long ride to the Jordan River. Okay? And he had reasons not to. On his way, he says to his friends, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, no way. I have clean rivers in my country, and the Jordan River is a dirty river, a muddy river. Ain't going to do it. Well, they finally talked him in while he kept riding toward the Jordan River. And then he had to dip seven times. One time, two times, three times, nothing's changing. Four times, five times, nothing's changing. Six times, nothing's changing. Seven times, boom. Like that man that walked down, mud in his eyes, walking down this pathway, gets to the pool of Siloam, he doesn't know if it's going to work. But he has a kind of faith that is not the kind that says, I already know what's going to happen. It's the kind of faith that says, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust the Word. I'm going to trust the prophet. I'm going I'm to keep riding. I'm going to keep dipping. You know, I don't know. I don't have that. You know, I, I believe, but help my unbelief, you know. But I'm going to keep walking. And he walked all the way down there, every step, having to feel the way in a dangerous. And then, and he only knew he was healed after he obeyed, after he did, after he took the walk. A lot of us only know the end after we make the journey, after we make the walk. My encouragement to you tonight is to keep walking. You know? I mean, God will, 
never ask us to do anything that we cannot do. Although it might take some extra effort on our part. But God will never ask us to do anything. Jesus did not ask that man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Knowing that he couldn't do it. But Jesus must have also known it was going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work. Give me something to work with. Show me that you're engaged in this, that you're involved in this, and you're not just looking for some spiritual Santa Claus to slide down the chimney and to drop a box on you. It might take some extra effort. You see, little is much in the hand of the Lord. I'm certain that that walk didn't seem like it was very much after he received his sight. That dip in the River Jordan seven times didn't seem like a big price at all after his leprosy was cleansed. It seemed like way too much before. We're living in the before. Many of us looking for a miracle, looking for God to do something, looking for God to do something in our business, God to do something in our family, God to do something in our community, in our nation, for God to do something in our lives. We are looking at the picture before and what is required of us. You know, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly before the Lord. Come on, keep walking. (laughs) Keep walking, keep dipping. Don't get tired. Don't get bored. Don't get bored with the everyday, day in and day out, necessity of walking to your miracle. Yes, it may look right now like like your children aren't doing what you want them to, or your grandchildren, or or your, 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 your parents, or your siblings, but you don't have to treat it like it's over. Don't treat it like it's over. Keep walking. There are a lot of promises that God has given us. Hold on to the promise of God. Hold on to the Word of God. Hold on to what the prophet has said. Hold on to to what God has given you. Don't turn at the first left. (laughs) You know, don't stop at the first mountain you see. Keep going until you see the mountain God said, take Isaac up to. And offer him there. Because it's on that mountain where the provision of God. When you are where God wants you to be, you will get what he wants you to have. Sometimes it's a long walk. Still little is much in the hand of the Lord. Have you found 2 Kings 4 yet? Let's let's look quickly here because I've already given you the punchline. A certain woman, verse 1, we talked about last week, of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Okay, uh, You can look back at last week's notes, ezsermons.com. You know, uh, or you can go and look in the archives uh, and, and watch our last week's you know, uh, 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 message to catch up on verse 1. 
But basically, this woman had a legitimate need, and she came to the prophet Elisha. And she said, you know, something terrible is about to happen. We're unprepared for it. We need help. So Elisha, in verse 2, said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, he said, What do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. (laughs) You know, we have nothing. I don't have what it takes to meet this need. You know, I, I, I can't do it. Uh, I, I, in fact, I have nothing. I'm out. I'm depleted. There's no doubt that she has done everything that she can. And she's gotten down to the very last. Perhaps it's the very last of her energy. Maybe it's the very last of her patience. Maybe you're experiencing something that is the very last of your kindness, the very last of your fruit, the very last of your joy, the very last of your ability to, to keep walking. Maybe, maybe you, know, uh, you, you, you feel like there's no more time, no more opportunity. There's no more, you know, uh, the door's closed. What, what can I do? I only have a little left. Well, little is much in the hand of the Lord. And the prophet was saying this to her because he wanted her to realize that there's something you have that you don't think very much of because it's so small and so little. You know, it just may be an open door. You may, you may, you may feel as like you only have one more conversation you could have with that person, <laughs> you know. Maybe you feel like, you know, um, whatever, you know, uh, Listen, trusting God is so much easier when we have abundance. When we have all that we need and more than we need, trusting God seems so much easier. But you know, that may not be the trusting God that we need when we're needing a miracle. You know, when we have abundance, you know, we don't need a miracle. But tonight, if you have abundance, you may be God's supply for someone else's miracle. If you have everything you need, then God wants to use you to meet someone else's need. If you have the joy that you need, the patience you need, the comfort that you need, if you have the peace that you need, if you have the time that you need, if you have the opportunities that you need, then God will use you to meet someone else's need. That's what Zacchaeus did. That's what Jesus tried to get the young rich ruler to do. And all throughout the Word of God, we find people called by God to meet needs. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus met a need. Why? Because they had what it took to meet the need. You are either a need meter or else you're needing something. You're in need of a miracle or you're a miracle worker in the hands of God. Either way, you can give what you have to God. You can give that opportunity to God. You know, if you have plenty of energy on your your job, well, you know, you may need to share some of that with someone else because they might show up without that energy, without that hope, without that happiness, without that joy, without that peace without Jesus if you have plenty of Jesus share that Jesus that's one of the best ways that we can continue to be resupplied you know make that phone call do that text you know share what you have if you have plenty of words share it you may be only left however with just a little bit of hope 
You may only have just a little bit of time. You may not think much of it. She evidently did not think much of what she had. But the things that we so lightly esteem are often anointed by God to become our salvation. That's the way it was. God chooses the things of this world which are nothing to bring about things that are great. You know, 1 Corinthians 1. You know, little David from the backside of the desert. Nobody thought much of him. He wasn't even invited to the party. And yet he became king. God chooses small things. Little is much in the hand of the Lord. You know, uh, uh, it, it seems as though that God says he gives more honor to things which we give less honor to, which we don't think much about, 1 Corinthians 12. Also, the Bible tells us in our humility is when we are exalted. You know, the little bit uh, that we have offered to God uh, causes him to make more of it. That's just, uh, that's just the way God works. It is the weak things of this world that God chose uh, to place his greatest treasure in, he said. You know, uh, what, what were called ignorant and unlearned men. Uh, we could go on and on. I have about 10 or 15 more scriptures. You can get them in the notes of things that God chose that were small, that were little, that people didn't think very much of, that he chose to make great. It's the little things, like this woman teaches us. She only had a little bit of oil, and she didn't think it very much. But the little placed in God's hand, when, when we trust God with our little, especially when we trust Him with our last, oh, for some reason that opens up the windows of heaven. If you come to God with a need, expect Him to require something from you. Just expect it. And you know, what do you have? As I said earlier, God demands we participate in our miracles. And, and the little that we have is much in his hand. I pray that we all learn to walk by faith with the little that we have. You know, the blind man, the little that he had. What did he have? Almost nothing. Nothing. What did he have? You know how hard it was for him to take a step in darkness? He was in darkness. And he was on a mountain with rocks, with trails. The little that he could do was to take a small step. The little that this woman had was to offer a little in God's hands. The little that we have is enough. It's enough. And how do we know if we have faith? If we keep walking. If we don't stop walking. If we don't stop offering to God the little that we have. Next week we'll talk about that. How, how can we measure the faith that we have? How can we know if we are walking in faith? How can we know if we're going the right direction? How can we know it's going to work if we put all this effort in? Uh, next week, okay, I study the miraculous. But until then, keep walking. Keep trusting God. Amen.
Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.